Only poses die, you fucking idiot! I just finished this book on the history of Gainesville Punk, which is all of like 150 pages, and it's stapled together and made of <laughs> just it's still wet, Little, like alligator skin bound. Yeah, it's still it's still wet from the homemade pulping that the pages were made out of. Yeah. Whose live journal was this? <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, so here's a really cool thing. So, uh, you know, one of our biggest gripes about shows in Gainesville is that they always start at like one in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why there's a whole story about why they do that. So, um, when the, like one of the main punk venues, the hardback opened up, um, the hardback was across the street from a theater called the Hippodrome and to accommodate the Hippodrome's theater presence and the patrons that would go to the theater, they would, the hardback would start their shows later and uh, would start at like 10 o'clock. They would agree not to start shows until 10 o'clock so that the patrons from the theater could leave and then the punk rock could start much later. So that's why historically shows have been later in Gainesville is because the precedent was set with the hardback, which was this uh, this venue that we've all been to, actually, even though it's closed. So mm. that's why I played at a barn at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, in Gainesville? that's why. Mm. Well, that was probably the most... <laughs> Most useless fact for anybody but us. Okay. Second part of this fact. Second part. Ah! The hardback is no longer a venue. We never went to it as a venue. We went to it as a restaurant. It is now Boca Fiesta. Oh, I love Boca Fiesta. So, like, what's interesting is Boca Fiesta is wonderful, but we're eating in the same dining room that Black Flag and Minor Threat and uh, Less Than Jake and all these other bands like these like like Hot Water Music played there. Like they played shows in the dining room of Boca Fiesta. Is- I always heard about the hardback, but I mean, I guess that was before our time. What y- what year are we talking here? We're talking about the nineties, like eighties and nineties. Um, also, guess who was a sound mm. engineer at the hardback? Rob. Rob McGregor. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There's a whole chapter about Rob McGregor in that book. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's two what pages. What is this book? It's not a real chapter. It's two pages. It's called It's called Gainesville Punk. It's the history of Gainesville Punk. I didn't even know you had this. I didn't even know it existed. It, it's actually pretty interesting. I mean, it's not like a great retrospective, but like it is cool to kind of see like they'll be like, hey, this guy w- came up and played in this band. Also, he's from Daytona. And, uh, and you're like, what? Like, it's weird to see that Daytona is mentioned. But then also when they talk mm. about Black Flag being on tour, it was the tour that Black Flag came through Florida. They played Gainesville before they played in Daytona. So weird, weird, wild stuff, man. You know, I was looking for pictures of that Black Flag show where they played in Ormond, uh-huh. and I found them. I mean, I found a couple of them, and I forget what the photographer's name is. I could find it through Google search again. It's not like it's that hidden, but it's, you can't tell. It, it just looks like a venue. So, but the I, I was actually thinking about like maybe I could email the photographer. And we could talk to him about the, you know, the 80s in Daytona or Ormond long before we knew what was going on. Uh-huh. And then he, I found out he died. Oh. So that didn't happen. Yeah, you can't ask him now. No, I could yell at his tombstone all I wanted, and it would do no good. I mean, unless you were yelling from the Necromicon. The Necrocracy? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. <clears throat> well, hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. We have a guest today all the way from New York City. New York City. Hi, I'm uh, 
Ooh, coming a little a little hot there. Let me let me drop it down. Hi, I'm Chris Tharp <laughs> from New York, formerly Daytona. New York is formerly Daytona, or Chris Tharp is formerly from Daytona? Uh, no, I was formerly known as Daytona. Okay. <laughs> Dude, one of the most successful one of the most successful Daytona transplants. Almost everyone we know did not make it that far. At least all the all the comedy people I know, they all tried New York and they tapped out in like two months. Chris, how long you been there? I'm coming up on five years in uh, four days. Well, like I'm in four days, it'll be five years. And it's like kind of wild because it doesn't feel that long, but it feels like forever at the same time. I thought you were gone for like 10 years, but I guess I'm counting the time you lived <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, Orlando day, so. was actually uh, 10 years. It's crazy. So, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how I did it either. But at the same time, now that I've been everywhere and been around, I'm like, Orlando's okay, I guess. It's, Orlando is almost as cool as I thought it was when I lived in Daytona now. Like, Dayto- <laughs> Orlando is almost cool now. Yeah, I mean, every sucks. time I'm out there, it's fine enough. Yeah, but I thought it was like a real city for like a hot minute, and then I moved there, and I was like, oh, it's just like the suburbs with like a strip of buildings in the middle. Yeah, and like maybe a roller coaster or two. I mean, that's the biggest problem with New York is the lack of roller coasters and um, <laughs> like lack of pools. And I, I didn't realize that both of those things were like my hobbies. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right, man. You can't get into a public. I mean, if you go to a public pool in New York, what, what are you going to get stabbed or something? It's yeah, like... No, I went to like they shut them down. Like they, they just decided that this year they're just not going to have pools. Is it because of COVID or just because? No, because uh, of uh, COVID. But at the same time, there's just like isn't that many pools. Like the public pools, like I went to one and it was like, oh, we don't have enough lifeguards. So. Only uh, a quarter of the pool is open because we have five lifeguards. And I'm like, the lifeguards can literally see the entire pool from wherever the fuck they are. But I don't know. It's just like insane restrictions. I don't know. Lifeguard union. I don't know. I don't know what's causing these problems, but it's awful. There, there, there was a lifeguard. I saw some pictures of like a lifeguard picket for a minute. So I, there really was. It's crazy. Everyone's unionizing. <laughs> it's nuts. I guess they're out of a job. So yeah, I guess it's true. Sense. Well, they're failing. Dude, at it. I haven't. I haven't been to a pool or the beach in I don't even know how many years at this point. I just don't go. Have you ever been to a public pool? Like it's like the sand lot, except for like (laughs) dirtier and there's just band aids everywhere. It just that makes me think of the the sunny episode where they try to get into the fancy pool, but they go to the public pool and Frank gets scratched (laughs) by a woman. She's scratching me like a velociraptor. (laughs) And he throws a a greased watermelon in the pool and there's broken glass on the (laughs) floor. That's, is that what New York is like? It's a, it, a, like to a T. Like it's insane. <laughs> and wait, it's so weird because you have to bring your own lock. You're not allowed to bring your phone. And um, you have to take a shower first. And there's people watching the showers. So it's like you like change into your like stuff. And you, you have to bring a lock because you have to lock up stuff. You're not allowed to wear anything other than a white t-shirt. So like Mikey would be fine, but like I had to like, you know, dig deep into like my closet to find a white shirt. Like you, cause like, you know, like I guess like gang stuff was big at some time. So they made a rule. So it's like you aren't allowed to bring your phone, do all this stuff. So it's like you lock everything up, you wash and then a person approves you. And then you're allowed out into the, like the pool deck where there's only a quarter of the pool open because there's only so many lifeguards. But, like, it's a giant Olympic-sized pool, but, like, only a quarter of it is open. And it's all three and a half feet deep. 
That is a far cry from our glory days of Daytona pool hopping. That is so, it's like, why even go? Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, and then to go to the beach, I got to ride a train for like an hour and 10 minutes. So it's just like, before I barely went to the pool or went to the beach when there was like a 20 minute drive because I'm sandy. Yeah. But now get imagine getting on the train sandy after you've like <laughs> fucking battled the ocean. Yeah. And then like the ocean isn't as nice up here. And it's just like, what are we even fighting for? We fought all night for this. <laughs> There's no surf. Like, and it's all like, like, actually like, there is, there is, is there. Yeah. Rockaway beach. Like literally in my neighborhood, I'll see somebody like I'm getting a coffee at 9:30, and that that's like mad early for me. But I'm getting a coffee, and there's a dude just carrying a surfboard, and he's done been surfing, like <laughs> he's cr- climbing out of the subway, and then that's like wild. I guess gonna go to his real ass job or something like that. But it's fucking nuts. That's so strange. The dude. good surf is in the morning in the Rockaways. Where do you live? Um, so I basically live in um. So I used to live in like uh, Bed-Stuy where uh, Biggie and Jay-Z were, but now I live in uh, Bushwick where uh, our f- most famous person is Takashi69, so, uh, you that's, know. That's rough. It's a definite upgrade. MOP was from Bushwick, I think. Oh, no, oh, wait, they're from Brownsville. Brownsville's a little bit further, but yeah, so I'm in Bushwick, which is like the new like artisty area of Brooklyn. Like Williamsburg is like over, so now it's Bushwick. This is where all the filmmakers and people. Can you tell us about the history of Williamsburg and why it's over? Uh, it's just over because of uh, the real estate prices going up. And uh, all the venues closed down and stuff like that. So, the, like, Bushwick is kind of where all the venues and, like, bars and things like that are that aren't, like, bullshit. I mean, Williamsburg is still tight for food. I mean, in stores. I mean, we have, like, a Whole Foods there and, like... I don't know, a Lululemon and other shit like that. So it's like, <laughs> if you want to get like the Soho experience in Brooklyn, you can go to uh, Williamsburg. So my favorite thing, I do have to say this. when The last time like we were in New York, Chris was the most brilliant host. Um, <laughs> like the best tour guide ever. So my favorite thing was there was a night where um, we were all kind of, we were just kind of traipsing around New York. And it was, it was noodle night. We were looking for noodles. And Chris takes us to this like, Hole in the wall basement noodle shop that everybody was like, <laughs> I don't know about this, and it was the best. It was the best food. So like Chris had this. There's that, and there's also Chris surprised me with donuts. He stopped me from buying donuts so I could buy better donuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Put those down. Put put. No, put no, them no. Down. I cannot. No, let here's you what bodies. happened. We went. We went to. We went to a vegan diner, and I was like, Oh, they have donuts. Well, I want to get some donuts. And Chris was like, No, 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 no. The wait's not going to be long. Just hang out. Just hang out. We'll go get coffee from this place. And I was like, Okay. And we go around the corner, and he's like, See, and it was <laughs> this little coffee shop that had way better donuts. So it ended up working out. Yeah. So we we're basically eating at like uh, this bullshit uh, vegan diner, which is it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it has donuts and stuff like that, but just around the corner, conveniently, is a vegan donut shop, which is like, I don't know, even, even non-vegs, uh, like these vegan donuts. They're like fucking huge and delicious. Dude, speaking of donuts, Shane, I tried to go to Duck Donuts the other day, uh-huh. but I didn't realize that they closed at three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, so I'm sorry. it was like... <laughs> I was at the outlets. I went to the Nike store, and then uh, I'm like, I'm I'm got a wild hair up my ass. 
I'm going to go get a donut by myself. And they were closed. So I got halfway across the parking lot, stopped, got confused when I saw the sign, and then turned around and walked back to my car. I, I mean, a, it was a, un, a very unpleasurable experience. Well, I, I hope it doesn't ruin that for you. We'll see. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about why you're in New York, because I think that's that's an interesting story. Like, what are you what are you even doing in New York? Like, who do you yeah, think you, you are? Why would you leave this hellhole? Yeah, why would I leave one hellhole to go to another hellhole? Um, well, I moved here to be uh, a cinematographer. Currently, I'm just leeching off the system and uh, collecting unemployment. <laughs> And the the funniest thing I did was uh, leave my company in Florida because I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay less in taxes. And then I live with my mom right now. So uh, <laughs> according to the government, I live with my mom in Port Orange, Florida. But uh, turns out that Florida has the worst unemployment in the entire country. And it took me like three months to get unemployment. And then it's like the shittiest unemployment, like literally... There are people like I, I have a a friend across the street who's an actress and she wasn't doing any like she wasn't really doing much, but uh, she ended up making like eleven hundred dollars a week on New York unemployment. And she's from Florida. And I was just like, I really, really, really messed up by not moving my residency up there. But I didn't want to pay the taxes. And uh, man, I really messed up. But uh, I'm up here, you know. I was making cool commercials. I shot a feature and did a couple other things here, which is like some shit that doesn't happen in Florida anymore. Like ever since the tax incentives ran out uh, for the Florida film industry, everything's gone to Georgia. So I was like, why not go to uh, New York? And if I fail there, I can always like fall back on Atlanta. Yeah, man, Atlanta's, I thought Atlanta's where they do tons of shit now. It's a, like after every show, it's made in Georgia. Yeah, like uh, Marvel loves Atlanta. And um, that first Spider-Man movie uh, is all in Atlanta. We only had um, uh, helicopter days in New York. Like they literally, it's literally cheaper to build New York in Atlanta than it is to shoot in New York. So that that's why I was like, oh, we're going to go out to Long Island for some of these shots. And it's like... All of that is just like fucking uh, Georgia pretending to be Long Island. It's insane. Do you ever like just shake your fist at the heavens and just go, de Blasio? All the time. It's insane. (laughs) Like like the amount of movies that like say that they take place. I'm like, oh, like let me watch, you know, Hellboy. And I'm like, oh, wait, they filmed that in the Czech Republic. And I'm like, Short Circuit 2. Let's talk about New York. And it's like Toronto. And I'm like, what was I even thinking? I'm like, Seinfeld? LA, none of it is New York. I was just like, my entire life, I'm like watching movies about New York, and I'm like, well, that's the only place I can move because it's the only place I know about. And then turns out that they faked it. They filmed Ninja Turtles in New York, right? I mean, a lot of it was in studios that were, I want to say, in London. I don't believe it! Like, they it, like they, they filmed some of it. But wasn't it like Universal or something? I thought they would, I thought they filmed that shit in Orlando. Like, yeah, they, they, they didn't film a lot of the Ninja Turtle. Like, you know that secret subway station? Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I know where the, uh, it's the city hall stop, but it doesn't look like that. That's just a set. I it's all, it's all so, a scam. So next oh. you're going to tell me that Armageddon wasn't filmed on an asteroid? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'm telling you, pal. <laughs> and then literally, like, uh, like, I was like, oh, man, you know, like, I'm in New York now. I better not turn down the wrong alley. Turns out there are no alleys. They've blocked them all. The one that, like, everyone uses in movies is, like, this, like, one particular alley that this, like, guy owns. 
And like all the cop shows pay a ton of money to like shoot on this one alley. It's nuts. That's like weird. There isn't even alleys here. We have we we just got a new alley, which is like kind of kind of tight. Like, uh, it's all like tagged up and stuff like that. And it's like you basically can just go around the block on it. And I'm like, I love walking down there, just like you know, for the hopes of some bad shit happening, but it never does. Uh, it's pretty sick. Okay, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There uh-huh. are okay, yeah. so there's there's a bunch of different entries for locations here. One of them is New York City, New York. But yeah. guess, just guess the other state. It's on the East Coast. I'll give you that much. The other state that they filmed it in. Uh, North Ca- North Carolina. Are you looking uh, at it, you fuck? Was. No, that was just a guess. No, that, that that was like a hot thing in the 90s with like Dawson's Creek and all this shit. There was like, there's some studios there, so. Yeah, Wilmington, North Carolina is where they filmed the first one. See, I assumed based on the farmhouse that they hit out in. That looks very North Carolina. Ah, I guess that, yeah. that is a good idea. I like that. See, I know some stuff. I know some stuff. So, okay, so you're in New York. You're doing cinematography. I mean, yes. Are you like like what like? But I know you still have your finger on the pulse because like that's one thing that when we talk about like punk and hardcore and stuff, like you always seem to like know what's happening and what's hip and what's in, and I can't ever keep up with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's the hot new realness? The whole thing is that uh, uh, my roommate is uh, Sammy Triple B, so it's like. <laughs> if uh you know if, if there's anything going on in hardcore it, it is either triple b records or it's uh some miami label that i forget the name of and, and it, everything else doesn't matter yeah i buy that triple b has just been knocking them out of the park for like years straight we got these new uh quinto bottles uh going on right here you might want to check them out on triple b.com i uh i designed the logo 10 years ago uh uh Currently, that's the most important thing I've ever done uh, because it's on like <laughs> 10,000. I guess it's, it's probably on a million pieces of things. That's part and of hardcore history. That, yeah, man. Yeah, I think that uh, Sam uh, bought me pizza and then gave me like three free seven inches. Uh, so <laughs> honestly, Dude, the biggest scammer my... in hardcore is like me uh, sending him a logo for funsy on a message board like. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Because he's in the Straight Edge book. Like, he gets interviewed yeah. in the Straight Edge book. So, uh, yeah, why I didn't write up a better contract. Also, the Triple B logo was, like, um, a spec logo. I was like, oh, well, here's kind of the idea that I think of that would be cool. And he goes, great, let's do it. And I was like, but it's not done yet. And he's like, no, it's perfect. And I go, all right, <laughs> cool. Dude, I still have my Triple B mouse pad, the beer boobs and bait. Yeah, honestly, uh, a much crazier, uh, crazier logo like actually takes like artistry. Um, the the new, tr- the, I guess it's the new Triple B logo, but the one that I did was basically you know um, Joanne Fabric marker from uh, our like short lived graffiti days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those were the days. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that from DBCC when we helped. Yeah, like, I guess yeah. graffiti that. F- photo exhibit same marker we would go down to when the boardwalk had abandoned buildings on it and matt mitrick would like throw up tags on the roof of shit and we would just kind of like watch (laughs) yeah uh you know i wish that we had gotten good at tagging uh not like graffiti's kind of like nuts right now in uh new york like uh 
because like uh the police have stopped like kind of enforcing stuff because they're like people don't like us let's let's not like uh police like broken window crimes and stuff like that and now like all of new york is just covered in graffiti i was like damn i kind of wish i was still into that shit because uh it seems like everyone's getting away with it like it isn't as dangerous like literally the only danger is like other like dudes beefing you well, you know what's funny is, like, when we were up there, like, they were doing graffiti tours in your neighborhood. Like, you can pay somebody to walk you around the neighborhood and yeah. go look at graffiti. Yeah, I've, uh, like, we have, like, tons of murals that keep growing and growing. And then there's, like, legit graffiti tours. But now, like, the whole world is just, like, I say the whole world. Uh, all of Bushwick is covered in, like, tags and shit like that. So it's, like, a little bit more legit graffiti, I guess. Uh, not, like, sanctioned murals and kind of stuff. Because, like... Some of that stuff leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth when, like, graffiti is, like, wanted. It doesn't seem like it's, you know, the real deal. But, you know, what do I know about that stuff? Is it like Escape from New York up there right now? What does it look like? It's kind of crazy because, like... Uh, the trains, like, literally no one has to, like, no one's going into work other than, like, service people. Like, if you're, like, in a restaurant or doing some shit like that. But, like, New York is all about, like, going to your fucking business place. And, like, everyone is just, like, Zoom calling their way around. So everyone's wearing sweatpants and, like, day drinking. And <laughs> so life is it's, good. like, wild walking around because now it's, like, there are some people out and about. But then there are just, like, homeless people, like, just, like, running rampant in, like, the, like, actual Manhattan. And it's just, like, so weird walking around where, like, it doesn't matter what time of day. It's just, like, all kind of the same. Like, nobody's in the restaurants. Because, like, right now we're not allowed to eat in restaurants. We have to, like, um, eat in these, like, outdoor areas. So it's, like, if you have tables outside, then you can have people. But nobody's at them. Like, until, like, 6 o'clock, and then, like, you know, there is, like, a wave. But, like, it's just so weird. Like, people aren't eating out. People are... Mainly people are drinking, and we got in trouble for that. Like, it was like, oh, now you have to, like... You can't just, like, walk around uh, drinking. You have to, like, serve food. Uh, and then, like, keep people at these tables so they're not walking around and drinking. But it's it's so weird here. Life is weird, man. We can eat in restaurants here. Yeah, we we can't go inside, but but we can go inside stores. Like I went inside Uniqlo the other day, and I was like, it's a three story store, and it's just like you know, there's some like shit taped on the ground, like telling you like which way to walk and stuff like that. Yeah. But even though you can go in these stores, they're not exactly like even f- like quarter full. Like it's just uh, I I guess I say it's weird, but it's also really nice. Like walking around the city, like. Which I used to do before on my days off, listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, now there's like the, the right amount of people on the streets. It's just like before it would be like a rainy day when there'd be this little of people on the streets. It's 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 so weird. But there's also like nothing to do because like New York is basically like, oh, let's go to this like party or this art exhibit or this show or whatnot. Now everybody's like, well, what the hell do we do? It's like, you're not swimming. You know, uh, going to art exhibits. You're not swimming. You're not swimming. Uh, not today. So, not today, pal. Dude, can you can you think of any of the highlights 
of the pool hopping days. Like, do you remember anyone doing a massive like feat? You know, some kind of a crazy flip. Okay, so uh, uh, number one, I, I want to say that Derek pushed a security guard into the pool. <laughs> well, if if we're thinking about, is that the place with the water slide, the the Sun Viking? Yeah, that that was the 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 not the Sun Viking. It was the other way. It was the one next to the uh, desert. Inn. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I don't remember which the one Capri. that was. The Capri, yes, 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 yes. So, so in my mind, I don't know if I've compartmentalized it, but there's a there's us riding down a plastic bench, and <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's three of us on a plastic bench, and we're sliding down, and then it's going phenomenal. We're uh, we're giggling, having a great time, but then we hit that curve, and it just fucks all of us. <laughs> and then I, I I feel like we fell into the the water. To give everybody context. The Capri was next to the Desert Inn, which is now the Hard Rock in Daytona. Um, but the Capri yes. was this tiny little hotel with this not very big pool and a fairly like moderate-sized slide that kind of went in a straight line that wrapped around the side of the pool and dumped out into the pool. Like It wasn't like a curly, yeah. wavy slide. It wasn't very tall. Um, it was probably maybe it started like 10 feet up. Like It wasn't a very tall slide either, but it was great for surfing. Uh, either if you're barefoot or if you're oh, yeah. on a plastic bench, like it was perfect for that type of thing. So where the curve he's talking about is when you hit the bottom of the slide, it does this sharp, like almost like a 90 degree angle into the pool. I would say, I would say it's a solid 45 degree, just quick turn. So it's just like right when we hit that slide, I don't, I, I want to say that we broke a leg on this, on this plastic bench. It was basically we like broke a bench. glorified plastic chair that it was like a three person chair but was like a, a bench at the same time. Yeah. So when we hit that curve, it, it just did not have the bend in it to do it. But uh, so it snapped a leg off and uh, really messed us up. It was also hilarious. And in my mind, the very same night, probably like 15 minutes later, after like somebody did like a front flip off the railing at the top. Yeah, the two-story railing. Yeah, there was, so it was basically a two-story like railing and you could do, like, you could jump off of it and uh land in the pool which was not an easy feat like it, it took a it, it took some uh, some balls to uh to do that kind of flip or thing into it dude i did the flip a couple times it was scary that's like i would say 15 minutes after we break this bench uh a security guard comes out which happened a lot like we <laughs> we would basically get kicked out with cuz a security guard would always have one of those like I don't know, foot and a half long flashlights. Uh, like the mag light. Yeah, the so they would like shine the, fl yeah, the, the mag light that was super long that had like 90 batteries in it. And like, they'd <laughs> flash you with it. And then, I don't know, maybe because there were so many of us, I don't know what happened, but somebody mouthed off, the guy came down. There was some sort of like juking that happened. And then uh, I see Derek pushing the security guard with the mag light into the pool. And then we all like scream and then run into the beach, which is like pitch black. And then we're running down the beach. And then I remember knocking over um, some lifeguard stands yeah. and then making our way to uh, the like Ocean Walk Lazy River Pool. The Okay, so that I remember being there when that altercation happened. I don't recall him going in the pool, but I, I get what you're I know how that happens. Like you see it in your mind's eye. It's like he might as yeah, yeah, yeah. he might as well have gone in the pool because Derek was just shoving him back like a grown man. Yeah, I remember there was like some sort of altercation, and I was like, 
In my mind, I see the guy going yeah. in. So I think that night, so that night, um, I think I was stuck at a different pool with a different group of people pool hopping because we were throwing, <laughs> we were throwing chairs into another pool somewhere else. Like it was a really rough night for pools. <laughs> to maybe lock it down for anybody who has no fucking idea what we're talking about. Back when we did not have responsibilities or jobs and all we did was play in bands and go to shows, what would we do after the show? We would- There's about a million hotel pool and condo pools on Beachside, so we would just sneak into all of them until we got kicked out and go to the next one it was, all night. It was- I would say that uh, I would swim 150 days out of the year. Yeah. I mean, it like, was a It was like outrageous. Thing. Pool hopping was, I mean... <laughs> I probably I, I haven't swam that much since then. You know, what are we doing? Uh, we're going to the pool. <laughs> Which one? Who gives a shit? That just was what we did. And I was just like, I still haven't gotten a better hobby. Like, like I've everybody that we've interviewed on the show so far has had an experience with pool hopping. Like Matt's got a scar from one of the pools. Um, like I know Casey <laughs> came pool hopping with us a few times too. Like I know that we, like everybody that's yes. been here, Jesse would go pool hopping with us. Uh, you know, I never took Riley. Um, actually I might've when she was a little, when she was really young, like we might've like when she was like maybe two, um, if that was a thing that happened, like we probably took her pool hopping somewhere, but, uh, you know, just thinking about that, like that's a story that like people, just don't understand like when you tell people like this is what we did we would go down like miles of of hotel stretch like this stretch of highway like this shitty little like two-lane highway and we would go down and pull hop across pools for miles the thing was you had to find something to, to flip off of to jump off of or a piece of furniture if they had a slide go that the capri slide was so great for going down standing up like when you get your technique and you can sort of silver surfer it down and then do a flip off the the edge of the slide at the end. Oh man, I I miss doing that shit so much. That and the and the uh, and the, uh, the Sun Viking pool were the exact same slide, so it's like same engineer did it, but like they created the most perfect slide to stand up and then like you just grease the side with some water, hose water, so you can just yeah. like kind of touch it a little bit and then then eventually you can get like you know. Super pro and do no touchies, but you know. <laughs> if you go down ass out, that was the that was the speed boost. If you like pulled your uh, yeah. board shorts down, so it was just on your ass cheeks, you'd fucking fly. <laughs> that was so great. Yeah, my favorite. Like so, so like when Chris, when you when you are like, let's say you're in New York and you're making new friends and you're having to explain what life was like in Florida. Like, how do you explain stuff like that? Like, how do you explain that type of thing to normies? It's just one of those things where it's just like, it, it definitely is a, a, a Florida man kind of place. Like, <laughs> like freedom is free in Florida. Like, New York is all about no. Like, everything is has got a sign. And then it seems serious because, like, somebody will uh, beat you for, uh, you know, trying to skate their loading dock here. Whereas, like... In Daytona, it's just like I feel like everybody's just like could care less about anything and not getting in the way of like whatever freedom you want. And it seemed like we were all about pushing it to like wherever we could go with it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, no trespassing here holds a lot more weight than no trespassing in Florida. Like in, in Daytona, like no trespassing is just like a the whispered suggestion it's a, it's a, it's a recommendation it's it's like uh come on don't come here unless you really feel like it it's really it's really just some going oh man 
Dude, I do remember times when we would be at some pool, we'd get kicked out, and you know, you get kicked out of a couple of them. But I remember us getting bored of just leaving, like, ah, whatever, fuck you, and then walking away. And we would, when we would see the security guard ride up in a golf cart, or he'd like rush out onto the pool deck, we'd all run screaming, like he, like it was the cops, <laughs> and we'd run screaming, screaming down the beach, like, ah, oh my god. <laughs> Even the police in Daytona don't even, they, I can remember skating like in Port Orange and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, we skate the amphitheater until the cops come it is like that. That's when it's over. And then we run out the back to where the, uh, the church is. Yeah. And that's just normal. Like running from the police seemed like a normal thing. Yes. Until I got to Orlando and I was like, there's a different vibe here. Like. Like running from the police in Orlando seems like like dangerous, but running from the police in Daytona it was kind of just like a a weekly occurrence. It was like, oh, we're gonna go smash bottles on the side of this building, and then if the cops come, we'll run and it'll be fine. Yeah, and it's like as long as we don't get caught. Yeah, as long as you were faster than the cops, it was fine. And you always were because they didn't really care. You remember that big pool after the hurricanes uh, over in um, the shores and uh, Billy drained it and we were skating it. And do you remember when the cop like the hotel next door called the cops and the cop came over and he's like, listen, I'm going to make you all leave right now, but I am not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And so we just had to we had to clear out for like 10 minutes. And then we got to go back to the pool. And, you know, no matter how much they called, it was. It was fine. <laughs> it was an abandoned hotel. We could have been we could have been hurt. That same hotel, but on a different occasion, I went with Alex Klepper, Jared Carmen, and somebody else. And we were skating for like not that long. We kind of like because I would like, you know, it was like, okay, you do a few kick turns on it, but we're not doing anything crazy on it. Yeah. And then it turns into like, why don't we just like start going around and fucking things up? And it was just like Maybe it was like Matt G or somebody was jumping on a bed with a chair on t- like with a chair and like sticking it into the ceiling and like stuck a chair into the ceiling. Yeah, that place got destroyed, man. Yeah, and then we found some like weird briefcase that had like some weird VHSs and like some other things in it and we were like watching these like creepy videos. And when I remember leaving and then like hearing a noise and then Alex or Jared pushes a refrigerator onto a set of stairs and it collapsed the entire stairs. And I'm just like, how are we supposed to get out of here? We're like, you know, three, four stories up. And it's just like, now there are no stairs. (laughs) And we had to like figure out, we had to like climb out of a window, do some other stuff to like figure out how to get out of this place. But it was just like the same hotel that is that like pool that Billy drained. Um, I can remember driving, uh, like last time I was in Daytona, like a few, like a couple months ago, um, I was showing my, like my dad was driving down Ridgewood and I was like, oh, there used to be some houses over there that had like a sick pool in it. And then it was just like, we drained that because our our friend stole a, uh, a pump and drained out of the pool. But the problem was, is that people kept setting fires inside the house. (laughs) And it's just like, you can't have anything nice in Daytona because it's just like, oh, we want to like skate this pool. And it's like, oh, there's all this like graffiti and shit like that. Everyone's like pretty chill. But there's always that like, I'm going to just say a BMX kid who's just like (laughs) fucking around and is just like 
you know, wants to like, he's like, let's just start a little fire. I mean, granted, there was no big fire, but then that place ended up getting like bulldozed and then like the uh, the pool got like filled in with concrete, which is like way more money than even just letting it be. BMX kids were wild. But I feel like that happened a lot, like even outside of that context. Like I think of like uh, like everything that we found that was good got burned down or taken away from us. And I think maybe that's like a punk rock thing. I don't know. Maybe that's just like the luck of punk rock kids. But I, maybe it's just like where we were at because, I mean, I think of like – Biscuits and gravy when we used to go eat there, and that place burned to the ground. <laughs> I think of, um, you know, the, Biscuits and gravy was punk. The <laughs> owner of Biscuits and Gravy burned down his own restaurant with himself inside of it. That was not our fault. <laughs> no, I listen. I'm not saying that that was our fault. I'm not saying that we are even implicated in that that suicide. What I'm saying is, is that we get good things and we have them, and then they're gone. They're taken away from us by some cosmic, <laughs> some cosmic thing, like. I don't know if it's cosmic. I think it's use once and destroy is kind of what. But here's what, here's the thing. We had a biscuits and gravy and now we don't. Explain that. <laughs> it's his wife cheated on him and he decided to kill himself and he burned himself up. <laughs> and he immortalized himself with that story because I can't stop telling it. <laughs> like, but how do you there, there's that there's not much folklore in Daytona and that's one of the greatest folklores ever. I was just like. I spent many of uh, many a days uh, doing like uh, slappy backside fifty fifties on their curb because you know they closed by six o'clock. Well, and even beyond but that, then they left the lights on in the parking lot. Even besides that, like we would stay up all night and watch like every horror mo- movie we could find, and then walk over there like delirious from watching uh, <laughs> Demon Warp, and then go over there and <laughs> eat, Warp. and then eat biscuits and gravy and then sleep for the next 24 hours because that's the only way you can rest your soul <laughs> yeah man the biscuits and gravy uh suicide and like the waffle house turd and like there's a few other really good daytona legends <laughs> I'm in uh currently I'm in a uh a group chat with I, I know about seven or eight people in it, but it's a Waffle House pictures only group chat. So basically if you say anything, you're booted out of the chat. <laughs> and there's probably forty five people in this chat. So you basically just post a picture every time you're in a uh, Waffle House and if anybody says anything, you're out. I mean, how so. often are you in Waffle House to participate? And, and, well, I mean, but I'm I'm never in one because there's none in New York City. And uh, there's apparently a lot of people around the country who apparently are in this group chat, which I don't even know why I'm in, but I'm in it. And uh, people are getting booted out all the time. But there's also I'll randomly wake up to like nine random uh, Waffle House photos Dude. of people enjoying the Waffle House. Dude, have you been down Seabreeze since the last time you were here? That empty field next to the coffee connection? It's a Waffle House. Oh wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a Waffle House there? Now? It's a full-on yeah, right Waffle next House. to the. It's right next to the coffee connection now. It's a standalone. When I when I drive around Daytona and I see the amount of Waffle Houses not on the interstate, <laughs> it blows my mind. Yeah, don't go. I in didn't those. know they even existed. Standalone Waffle Houses are a trap. That's not real. That's like a human. Uh, that's like a human trap. Yeah, no. I drove <laughs> down uh, Seabreeze last time I was there. A few months ago and i saw that the coffee connection wasn't there anymore and then uh the sea breeze metal lounge was something else but it 
definitely wasn't a, a metal lounge anymore. It's a cool bar now. Very much a bummer. I mean, if they had to replace it with a bar, they replaced it with this like kind of. I mean, I know it sounds lame, like it's a tiki place, but like they make yeah. crazy drinks. Like it's all super. I mean, it's it's like hipster drinks, but they're delicious. I imagine it's doing a much better service <laughs> yeah. to the community than what was going on inside the metal lounge on a Tuesday. God, what was happening there? Nobody knows. You don't need to know. Just derelicts. So so then, Chris, I have a question for you. We mm-hmm. have been going to shows for, what, 20 years now? Longer? That's where we're at? Yeah, I would say that uh, the Iceplex was, like, really when it, like, you know, popped up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I remember my first show at the Iceplex um, was, it, it was not, it was not a great show, um, but it was upstairs, and it was, I can't even remember who played, but I remember you being like, hey, there's shows in town, and we ended up going to the Iceplex. Wait, what's funny is that, like, my first show was um silver chair and buck cherry at what was eventually the pac but the uh neon Neon moon Moon. yeah Yeah, so that was my very first show and my cousin brought me there on some tickets that she won on the radio and i can remember like the very first moment where i'm like okay i'm at a show i'm seeing a mosh pit for the first time I'm like 15 years old or 14 years old and like trying to figure out like, okay, I guess I got to get in this grown ass man mosh pit (laughs) (laughs) and like shoulder check some of these fools. (laughs) And uh, what was funny is that then like the very next like show is like, I don't even know. It was like Fortitude and maybe it wasn't Fortitude. It was, what was that new metal band that we saw at Iceplex? Nonpoint. Was it non-point? Non-point. Yeah. non-point was the band I'm thinking of. Headway was gone by then, I think. Nope, we saw Headway. No, we saw Headway a few times because they played. They played at the Spring Music Fest when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I can remember seeing Nonpoint at the Iceplex, which is like a building away, and then being like, "Okay, shows, shows are going on. This is cool." And then uh, eventually seeing Fortitude, which is the very first like hardcore band I've ever seen. That's funny. Or somebody was wearing, like, you know, Pat Edge is wearing, like, a hoodie with, like, like I, I don't know, whatever you wrap your hands in to fight people in with X's <laughs> on them. Gardening gloves? No, he was, like, it, like some sort of, like, r- like wrist wrap for fighting. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he I, would, I, ra- I he would wrap his arms like he was a boxer. They all fucking did that back then, like, floor punch and all that shit. CM Punk th- did that as the wrestler. He would he would tape his wrap hands their up arms like a fucking hockey stick. Uh huh. And then and he would x up his hands. Pat Edge was ahead of the curve wearing a mask. I mean he would he would ha- he would like sing with uh, a bandana over his face. So I mean like yeah, he knew it was coming. <laughs> Twenty years ago, he was trying to prepare us for COVID. I'll show you. I'll show all of you. <laughs> so how do you? So then like so thinking about that and thinking about like the stuff that we did during shows. Like how do you explain that to like hardcore kids today? Like as somebody who is part of like. Not necessarily the old guard where you're at, or even like any old guard really. We're just kind of like aging punks. But like, when you, how do you explain like, how do you talk about the Daytona scene to people who had who never lived it? Well, the the thing that I was just like, I was like, when I got into like punk and hardcore, I thought it was like a way different thing because you know you started going to shows and then you went to like the church shows, and that's where there was no music in between bands. There was no sound system. Like <laughs> there was music played by bands. Yeah. And then there was nothing. 
And then you went outside and you talked to each other. And then there were zines in the back and stuff like that. And then Billy would introduce just about every band. Yeah. I've never seen anyone introduce a band ever. Like, and it was like, oh, these are blah, blah, blah. They're from here, blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was just like regular, you know, shit going on. It's like, that's just what you did. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, you do potlucks on the weekends. You do kickball games. And then you go pool hopping. And it's just like totally a different vibe than what like shows are now. Like, I mean, I say shows are now, but the shows have been forever for everyone, <laughs> which is like, you know, not potlucks, not zines. Well, I mean, I guess there are zines, but like it wasn't as community driven as what we had. And it's like really wild to me because I was like, it was always about going to plumbers union halls and churches and all these like alternative venues. And it was like the entire time I wanted to go to like a real deal show. Um, I feel like the, the first ever hardcore show that was like hardcore, I imagine was like back booth Cro-Mags like in like 2000 and like 11 or something like that. It was kind of like, oh, there's a bunch of construction workers here stage diving in work boots. <laughs> and that's like, was the first show that was ever like what I imagined shows would be like. And then eventually it was like, oh, well, all shows are just like these things where the band plays and then music plays in between them. And it's like not nearly as cool as what happened in Daytona. Yeah, they don't, it's, it's not as fun. Like, I don't know, we, I, I feel like we were very sheltered from, you know, everything. I, I don't know, it was, we, I guess we did have a much more positive uh upbringing in punk rock i guess well i think we had fun and i think we've talked about this before where we like we took fun very seriously like we never took anything seriously (laughs) but we took fun seriously and so like we really made sure that uh the shows were fun for the bands out of town even if there were if even if there were bands that we didn't like or a band there or like you know, maybe they weren't even good bands or maybe they were just coming through for the first time or maybe they just jumped on the show like we just had fun I think that that, that's like a very weird thing is to go to shows even though you don't know who's playing. Yeah. And it wasn't like, like in New York, you don't go to a show that you don't know anything about. I mean, maybe somebody invites you or something like that, but like in Daytona, it's like, oh, there's a show. Flyer means you go that day. Right. That's your ticket. There's no like picking and choosing shows. It's like, I'm going to that show as long as I don't have to work kind of thing. Or I even take off work because there's a show of a band I've never heard of. Right. And it's just like, it's so different. And then at the same time, like, I feel like music wasn't so accessible then. Like, uh, I don't even know what we were listening to some of the bands on. Like, I, I'll say it's Bandcamp, but I feel like there was like some other proto site before it. But it'll be like, oh, there's two songs up of their like shitty demo. And that's the only way I'm going to like know if I'm going to be really excited for them or just excited to see my friends. Yeah. I mean, that was, and I remember that too. Like I remember getting a flyer and being like, there's a show. Who are these bands? I don't know. And then we would, but but like what was cool about that is it would be like, Oh, we got a flyer. Who's playing modern life is war. Never heard of that band. Let's go see them. Like, and it was like, that would happen so much. I feel like that's one thing that was really cool about like being in Daytona was that, those bands would come through and you would see these bands that would end up being these big bands, but we saw them play at like little clubs um, where they opened the show because they were the touring band and nobody knew who they were. 
So yeah, I, I had an idea that I thought I knew that I liked about shows. I was like, oh, bigger shows are going to be much cooler. But then now that I've been in New York where um, people are so bored, like either the shows up here sometimes are like either a barroom brawl or everybody's bored. And there was a nice medium in uh, Daytona where it was just like, oh, we're going to like stage dive with boogie boards <laughs> or fake sleep or this and that, which... You can never organize because there's never like 13 to 22 people <laughs> that know like that know each other and have the same inside joke and don't take themselves so seriously. So it's just like I don't know, a little bit a little bit of that is a shame. Are there a lot of is there a lot of like fights and shit up there? I feel like there isn't totally like there isn't that many fights because like unless there's some sort of like pit beef like there's no there's not really that many fights because not a lot of people know each other there's like so many subsects of z like of of the scene here it's like oh you're more pc oh you're more into like older kind of stuff oh you're an old head kind of guy or this and that and you know somebody and it's just like up here we got to deal with like oh that person's down with dms or this and that and it's just like so much stuff but like I feel like it's a very anonymous scene up here. Well, yeah, I was gonna say like when we when we were up there, we went and saw um, it was Gouge Away, Culture Abuse, and Iron Sheik play in Iron Sheik's hometown, and like it was a cool show, but it was still a small show. Like we've had just as many people at like a Daytona show for just a random band that showed up. Like I want to say we had just as many people in the basement of Nicely's to watch Horse the Band as that show. Yeah. I was actually gonna like thinking about. It. I was like, "Horse the band had more people at it," but um, the Long Island scene is a little bit more connected. But it definitely is a bit older of a scene. When you get into the city, it's just like it's so fragmented that it's just like there's so many different kinds of things, and then like the tiniest thing will make it. Oh, you're you're in this scene or you're in that scene, and like the thing is, is that there isn't even really a scene around that scene. It's like oh, well, here are nine people that know each other and then other people who kind of go to shows. So it's it's weird. There, and there's not much uh, outside of the scene kind of thing. It's not like there's like a bar where everybody goes to or there's swimming or kickball or any of that. There's no potlucks. There's no potlucks? There was a ton of potlucks back in the day in Daytona, but there's never been a potluck here. Never, never in the history of New York. <laughs> New York has never had a potluck. <laughs> the only potluck that exists is like, you know, there are some cross punks like on my block that like, you know, are waiting for the next train to come through town. And then they're like, you know, sharing a sandwich. Fucking <laughs> roasting an old boot over a tire fire. <laughs> Nothing makes me more uncomfortable than walking by like what would be like, I guess like train punks or something like that. Like, with their, like, shitty, like, acoustic guitar and their dog, I'm, like, as much as I, like, would like to think that I'm punk, I'm nowhere on the level of that, and I really don't want to give them a dollar. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like, they're going to, like, they're going to say something to me, and they're going to think I'm a poser. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I, I, I would definitely avoid that. I've crossed the street a few times.
Yeah, no, I just don't want to get, like, hassled by them because, like, I'm punk and should help them, but I'm not punk enough for them. They're insufferable. That where if I don't help them, they're going to, like, yell something at me. <sighs> New York is a tough town, man. Well, how badly could they insult you? They're all super PC. I don't know. I, it, it's just... That's why I just cross the well, street. It's just like easier. It's it's confusing. I'm like I'm just trying to do my laundry. Like I'm literally just carrying my laundry across, and I'm just like, how is it that I live two blocks from like where the only like train punks are? Like it's like literally there, and then outside of like I guess Search and Destroy on St. Mark's is like the other place where like this kind of like specifically dirty punk exists. And I'm just like, how did you guys find me? Like, how did you make it all the way to Bushwick? And why do you choose to sit out in front of the Dollar Tree? Well, like, get out. You know, it's weird. (laughs) You're not getting money from anybody. Well, because you you hold these two ideas, right? Like, you hold like like they are too punk for for anything, but they need money, and and you're not punk enough by helping them. Like, it's a very strange place. Like, you know, they're too PC to insult you, but you know they'll insult you. So, like. It's like uh, it's like Schrodinger's crust, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, it's a paradox. I just don't want to deal with their quip, and I definitely don't want to hear like the one chord. Like they're they're so punk that they are just one chord, <laughs> like just like whatever they can play on the acoustic guitar, no matter if it's in tune or not. And they smell terrible. Like you can literally smell them, like smell them from like 15 feet away. That's also a part of it. And I'm like, this is just embarrassing. It's like, do you do you ever like, play? I'm embarrassed for do you. Do you ever play like uh, as you're walking down the street, dead body or crust? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, when uh, Matt G was in town, uh, I want to say the last time that he was in town, uh, we were walking around uh, the Lower East Side um, near Tompkins Square Park, and there was this dude who had like, I don't know. I would say 50 face piercings. Like, just imagine an actual pin cushion. Like, it just had balls all over his face. And he was laying on the ground with, like, flailed out on the sidewalk, just drooling. And we weren't sure if he was dead or not. And was lead poisoning. Uh, we left. He was on that leftover yeah, that, crack, he, man. He was on that leftover crack. And then we left, and we walked back about an hour and a half later, and he was gone. And we were like... I think that guy might have been dead. Like, but he was like, you know, this side that that crusty punk who had too many face piercings. But like, in a world where three face piercings is too many, this guy had like fifty. And I was like, what does it take to make you do that to yourself? And why do you think you look good or bad or whatever? Whenever I see people <laughs> pierced up like that, because I mean, I had my nose pierced and I had my ears stretched and stuff. But when I see people with that many piercings, I just think they can't walk anywhere near a junkyard. Uh, what what is that like uh thing called when there are too many like circles together? Like you know, uh, like a Venn diagram, like some sort of phobia. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's like a phobia, trichophobia, right? Yeah, tryptophobia. Their face kind of would do that to you. Like when your entire face is like covered in like like just like little round metal balls. I was like. It was pretty disgusting. It was like a pinhead, but if there were balls on the end of like it, like a safe, like a safe <laughs> pinhead, like like a childproofed, like a childproofed pinhead, safety pinhead. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's just like is disgusting how many piercings there are. And it's just like how much did this cost you? 
Get a job. I don't know. Buy <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> Dude, what was Matt G's take? He, I know he's more of a. He's kind of. He's like more oh, of no, a no, conservative. No, no, no. We loved punk, it, and right? we, we were we were hoping that he was dead because it was like. Yeah, dude, I'd be right there. Every with you. time that Matchy comes to town, it's like a full moon. Like the weirdest shit happens. Like one day there'll be like a random burning building in my neighborhood. Like I've never like seen a fire since, but like that was like that intense. But like I saw a fully engulfed building, and then it's like, oh, well, we're walking over to the Walgreens. We walk inside the Walgreens, and we actually see a warrior, like a dude in the vest with like it says the Warriors like on the fucking back of it, <laughs> and I'm just like. How is there a building burning down outside? And then we're coming inside to get like Advil for him. And then it's just like uh, we, we run into a, uh, an actual warrior who's like out of his zone. He's not in Coney Island or some shit. And I don't know. We got like day drunk. I pass out, throw up later. And then we're like out with Danny at a bar. And then Matt G slides down some like subway stairs and flips over the edge. And then. A homeless lady's throwing newspapers everywhere. I'm just like, what is going on when Matt G's in town? It's outrageous. We've seen people, like, we've ridden out to, like, Coney Island on a cold day. And then there was, like, this homeless couple. And they were taking shits in between uh, the trains. And I was like, I've never seen a person take a shit between the trains. But I just watched a person take a shit between the trains because Matt G's in town. (laughs) Dude, when, uh... When I was there the first time, it was like every every day something crazy happened that I heard about later, like the subway platform <laughs> down from where I was staying. I was at Steve's uh, Steve's old place in Bedsty, and some guy went nuts and took. There was it was under construction, and he took up a table saw and started cutting people up. Then they they like caught the second day I was there, they caught two guys who were going to bomb the Holland Tunnel, and uh, there there was another guy who blew himself up in his 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 apartment building it was just every night something crazy happened i'm like i don't know if i could handle if i can live in here man it's it's um, too much new york is like it seems kind of boring when you're just walking around you don't see too much stuff if you're not like you know out with matt g just on like random ass hours but you download this thing called a citizen app oh, yeah, and it literally is reporting crazy shit all the time and forever, like, uh, the Citizen app was kind of boring about a year ago. Like, you know, occasionally there'd be a shooting or this and that. Literally every other day now there's a shooting in my neighborhood. There are people being robbed at knife point constantly. And I'm like, this shit keeps you in check because it's just like, like normal people are just like reporting like shit going on. And it's kind of like wild. Like we're having more, we've had more shootings this year than we did in 2019 and then it's like on par with 2006 oh so it's like pre like cleanup we're at like something like 600 shootings and like i want to say 700 shooting victims because it's like you know there's like shit going on where like you know the, the shooter is shooting multiple people yeah and like fourth of july was like wild because like fireworks are constantly going off but then there's also shootings happening, so you don't know what the hell's going on. The gun violence is like kind of wild right now. It's, it's like way higher than it has been in the last ten years. Gang members, you, they use like the Fourth of July to like settle beefs. I, I read somewhere that yeah. like in uh, like right after nine eleven, when the whole city was completely distracted, a lot of yeah. beefs got settled because there was just no cops to come. Well, that sounds really cheery. Well, I mean, like, uh, it, 
me and uh, Danny Mazia would love to talk about the bad old days coming back. And um, right now it's starting to feel like it because um, we're having a we had a max mass exodus of New York. Like a ton of people left, like 800,000 people left New York. So it's just like people are leaving. People are buying homes like the the housing market's doing awesome in the suburbs. And uh, New York right now, shootings are up. We had a guy decapitated the other day, Jesus. like this dude who runs a Nigerian rideshare motorcycle program was laundering money through his like assistant and his assistant thought to, um, you know, now that I have a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account, why don't I just kill this guy by sawing his head off in his brand new $2 million apartment? And he thought he would get away with it, but he didn't. But it's just like, how often are people getting their heads sawed off? Dude, are you gonna are you gonna City. stay if it reverts back to like Scorsese New York? Are you gonna leave? Well, no, that's the whole thing is that I've been watching Scorsese movies all the time, and uh, you know I'm loving it. I'm just hoping that the uh, the fucking <laughs> rent goes down. <laughs> like I, I was just like, I was like, I, I've been like holding off uh, signing a new lease, and then the guy like my like landlord who works for like a company like called me and he was like. Are you guys moving out? Blah, blah, blah. Like, he's been, like, hounding me over email. I was like, we're waiting to figure out till Congress figures out this unemployment bullshit because, you know, I'm sucking to the system, like, sucking the system dry. And uh, I was like, let's let's wait till that happens. And he's, like, been giving me shit constantly. So then I was like, okay, uh, we're going to stay. And then he took a verbal over the phone. I'm like, this verbal over the phone doesn't count as anything. So I was like, if I'm if if real estate prices or I guess real estate if rent prices go down, I'm definitely moving or uh, well, I'm moving in the city, but trying to like get a better deal somewhere. So I'm hoping the bad New York comes back uh, for just rental prices mainly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no better reason than real estate. Honestly, uh, I definitely can't afford real estate, but I am trying to save money on apartments. But you know, I am a little bit spoiled because uh, I have a uh, currently I have a central AC, which is a rarity in New York, and I love it. Yeah, it's it reminds you, know, you of home. Not having like a bullshit wall unit. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I have a washer and dryer. Or no, I don't have a washer and dryer. I have a dishwasher. But I've, the next step is to get a washer and dryer. That that's the dream. Ooh, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed, baby. Oh. All right. Well, do you have any like um, like parting words or final thoughts before we get into our explain this band? I don't know. I, I we we touched on a lot of things that I didn't imagine we would touch on. <laughs> That's how this goes. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a bummer. New York uh, City venues are like dying. Like um, any of the ones that weren't corporately owned are now like you know in trouble. Ooh, I don't like that. So it's like kind of kind of a bummer. Um, I guess, I don't know if that's a parting word, but like, we gotta save independent venues. Save New York. I don't know how. In New York. <laughs> Just in New York, mostly. That's where all the good stuff comes from. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to edit these, uh, these shitty parting words. I, I don't know. It's just sad. No, that's fine. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up with some, <laughs> we'll bring it up with some world beat. Yeah, world beats. So then it's time for Explain This Band? Explain Band! What the fuck did you become a punk for? Hey man, kid wants to be a punk. Let him be a punk. 
I was I was almost offended when you suggested this band, and then she, it was looked to me to do the research. It was like, <laughs> I, I had to go back to work. I wasn't planning on it, and I most certainly this did not. This was not the thing I wanted to delve into my last day of vacation. You know, big suit, little robot on the ground. I don't know what's going on. People not wearing shoes. There's bells everywhere. This is not a band that I know that much about, but what little I know, I wish I did not know. But perhaps the the listeners will appreciate it far more than I. The band, as suggested by Chris Tharp, is the Talking Heads. So explain this band to me while I pretend to listen. Oh, this is wonderful. So, um, Chris, why did you pick Talking Heads? Well, so I was like dabbling around trying to figure out something, but I was just like, uh, like, I'm like, what, what is like this, like kind of like punk band that's different. And I'm trying to think like, oh, let's do New York. Let's do some like CBGBs kind of thing. And I was just like talking heads, but I was also like afraid for two days <laughs> to even mention it. I was like, there's gotta be something else. Cause I was like. For some reason in my head, I was like, Shane is also not going to go for this. I was like, this. I was like, Mikey, I know will hate this. <laughs> but when I said Talking Heads and then Shane liked it, I was like, oh, we're running with it. I was like, I literally had no other. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm like, it, it, it's important. They're different. Um, uh, they're like proto-punk. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just good stuff. Yeah. So if you're not. I'm so glad you picked this too, because the minute that I saw Talking Heads come through, I was like, "Fuck yes!" Like, I like I'm I'm a fan of this band, but I love that Mikey's not. I think I I'm I'm happier that Mikey's not more than I'm an actual fan. Um, there like, you know when like uh people give you the aux cord to like play a song and you play something uh, sarcastically. When it comes down to it, like I was just like. This must be the place is the song I pick every time. <laughs> I'm like, there isn't a, a better feeling song. Seriously. Like, out there. Seriously. So. <laughs> I was just like. It just Dig for Fire by the Pixies is a much better feel good song. Uh, listen. Uh, I mean, honestly, that that's actually number two for me. Like, I, I'm always putting Dig for Fire on and this must be the place like that. Those are my like two go to songs when I'm given the, the option. And then. Well, there's some there's common. We have some common ground. Yeah, Shane yanked the yeah. carpet out from under me. All right, so if you're not familiar with the Talking Heads, they were a uh, a punk band slash rock band slash art funk band, post punk, art pop, avant funk, world beat, ah! new wave, whatever you want to call them. But they came up in the New York City scene in the 70s. So they were formed by uh, the singer-guitar player that everybody kind of knows, David Byrne. You've got Chris France, who played drums, Tina Weymouth, who played bass, and Jerry Harrison, who played keyboards and guitar. And so you had this kind of, this group of art students that got together and started writing kind of like this new wavy, um, interesting kind of art rock type of feel, uh, and didn't really have a place to play. So when they started they recorded, they started, they came out on the scene, they recorded their debut album, Talking Head 77. It was really well reviewed. But before they even recorded that, their first show was opening for the Ramones at CBGB's. So mm. 
they were super ingrained in the New York punk scene around that time. Um, and so they put out Talking Heads, 77. They put out uh, more songs about buildings and food, which I, I just, as soon as I read that song, that album title, I knew Mikey was going to hate it. <laughs> and Fear of Music, Remain in Light, and they put out a couple other albums after that. Now, my favorite is Speaking in Tongues, which has Burning Down the House. That's a single that a lot of people know. They also had the song, This Must Be the Place, uh, which is subtitled Naive Melody. Fun fact about This Must Be the Place, all of the band members switched instruments to record this song. Oh, that is a fun fact. I did not How do you feel about that, Mikey? It's irritating. <laughs> that would be like, could you imagine if like we were recording a We're Not Dead record, and I was like, I'm going to play drums, and that's what we did. I would tear the building, the studio, from its foundations. Yeah. Okay. Well. They didn't do that, and they wrote one of the greatest songs ever. So now they put out a couple other albums. They they had the big hit with Burning Down the House. They had Once in a Lifetime, Psycho Killer. Like Everybody has heard the Talking Heads at some point in time. They've heard one of those songs. Um, but you know they weren't a band for very long. They were only a band for about 14 years. They broke up in 1991, uh, or 16 years, I'm sorry. So they broke up in 1991, uh, and then they did a couple of shows without David Byrne, which is weird. That's like do that's like Queen playing without Freddie Mercury. Like it doesn't make any sense. So they played the other band members played under the name Shrunken Heads. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and then released an album called No Talking Just Head as the he- as the Heads. Like that was what they <laughs> called themselves. So <laughs> so I feel like they've got a good sense of humor. And you know, they were I feel like they never took themselves so seriously. I feel like they were one of those bands that just kind of like they were kind of art punky, but they were fun. Like, I don't feel like they were art punky like television, which was like art punk, but took themselves very seriously and found themselves to be poets. Like, I think and I think those are very different bands, but they kind of grew in the same scene. Like, you would probably more likely see television play with the Talking Heads than, let's say, the Cro-Mags. So, um, you know, when you start kind of talking about the, the New York scene, that's kind of the 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 area that they were in <clears throat> now since then um david byrne has gone on to do some solo projects he is currently doing um something on broadway yeah where he's playing barefoot and still wearing an oversized suit but he's really wonderful um and i feel like david byrne is uh, super nice he was in john mulaney's sack lunch bunch uh, as a guest spot and he was super great and wholesome on it so i don't know why you don't like david byrne you know you want to know why why Here's a quote from David Byrne. Uh huh. <laughs> I never listen to the radio unless I rent a car. Is that the whole quote? Is it's it? excruciatingly banal. Uh, how about this one? To some extent, I happily don't know what I'm doing. Horrible use of an adverb. I feel that it's an artist's responsibility to trust that. Really? How profound, David. Why don't you get yourself a tailor? You're so mad about him. Like, I feel like that's just, like, very, like, this is what I do. Like, it's not like Morrissey, who was, like... Well, I don't like a, Morrissey either. Well, right. But I'm saying, like, there's a difference between, like, an art asshole like Morrissey and somebody who is just kind of like, I like art. And I feel like that's what David Byrne is. David Byrne is just like, I like art. I like doing things that I like. If you like it, you too, know, that's cool. Like, I feel like that's what he's like. Have you ever watched the show Documentary Now? Yes, I have. Have you seen the episode that makes fun of the Talking Heads uh, documentary? I don't think that I have. 
Fred Armisen plays the David Byrne character, and Bill Hader plays the bassist that he always feuded with, I guess. Uh-huh. And it goes a long way without being about David Byrne to showing what a pretentious asshole he is and was. And as I'm looking at this message board here, <laughs> which is all about talking head fandom, that seems to be the prevailing opinion among the diehard fans of the band as well. That Just an like- observation. That he's like arrogant and hard to deal with. Yeah, he's just he's just too much. And but see, this thing it's like like if 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 someone told me Robert Smith was hard to get along with, which I'm sure he probably is. I'm like that's fine because he makes amazing music. But when someone tells me like Morrissey or or David Byrne is hard to get along with, I'm like that tracks. He seems like an asshole, and I hate everything he does. Well, like I feel like still he just seems nice. I like him. Hey man, he's a nice guy. <laughs> There. He cares about world music. Settled. We should do a whole album with bells. That's what I want to hear. Go listen to This Must Be The Place. It's a wonderful song. I've listened to This Must Be The Place. Yeah, like, the next time that you're in the grocery store, there's a good chance the Talking Heads will be on, and it'll probably be the best song you hear that grocery trip. That's that's actually fair. Mikey, are you okay? I just blew his mouth. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) He's trying to figure out is like is cranberries the dream like dreams playing or not on this uh, <laughs> this trip to the grocery store. Usually when I hear usually when I'm in the grocery store I hear um, "Love Fool" by the Cardigans for some reason. Every time I go to Publix, uh, they play the Cardigans. And if the if if the Talking Heads came on, that would be exponentially better than anything by the Cardigans. I'd rather listen to the Cardigans. That's your ears are broken. Yeah, and anytime that I'm in the. Uh, like the uh, the fruit and vegetable section, it's usually a Talking Heads thing, and then when I make my way down to the cereal, it's usually Dreams by Cranberries. <laughs> it's pretty formulaic in the in the, uh, the grocery store. <laughs> However, I'm never lost in the supermarket. Like strangely <laughs> enough, you'd think that that song would come on, but it never does. That would be so perfect. You know what I really do <laughs> love to hear in the supermarket, which I have heard quite often, is the Jim Blossoms. Hear it from you, man. It was in the. Oh, yeah. I was, I was dancing in the aisle while I was getting my coffee. That is a good one. I'll give you that. We'll see, we're not all enemies here. Grocery store bangers. <laughs> that, 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 that's a good playlist. That's oh man. That's yeah. That's gonna come out with this episode. <laughs> so cool. All right. So I think that's it. I think that band is explained. Yeah. Yeah, but you are forgetting one thing. I mean, we didn't even talk about his uh, his movie that he did, where he just like randomly uh takes tabloid headlines and then puts them inside of texas called true stories it's really good he made a whole album like like a songs for the movie hmm i don't know check it out all right we're adding it to the playlist watch a trailer on youtube and you might like it do you know what we did forget to talk about though trapped update oh shit trap update fucking baby rhinoceros Smash Mouth played in Sturgis for a big biker rally, which is like Yew. a dusty Daytona on steroids. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like fucking three Daytona bike weeks all in one place. Which sounds the worst. It sounds like yeah, bike week, Biketoberfest, so and another bike week. <laughs> so bad. So anyway, Smash Mouth played to a wonderful crowd, which, you know, 
think about this for a second. There are people who would risk their lives to watch Smash Mouth. I mean, like, I'd watch Smash Mouth. I don't know if I'd watch them right now, but I'd watch them. I would definitely never see them. You can say, uh, you know, uh, they might as well be walking on the sun. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> so Smash Mouth played. They had a pretty big crowd, right? Yeah. Well, looks trapped, like it from this little right. this photo here. Yeah. Well, Trapped also played at this place. What was their turnout like? There's like six the fucking baseball. people, man. <laughs> How many people? Six? I mean, look, I'm looking at one right now, and I know it's the front of it, but you can see a lot of open ground, which you don't normally see at a festival. I'm counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 distinct heads, and I think one of them is a security guard, and they're watching. <laughs> and the security guard is at, one of the security guards in the foreground is actively looking away from the band. That's fantastic. I, so, so the Trapped update is that Trapped has been talking all this shit about how they would draw more people uh, than Power Trip at any time and you know they were all over twitter losing their minds over it and here they are with 14 people in a in a, in a just to be mindful like to kind of like frame this sturgis has about 200,000 people showing up for this event yeah 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 so out of 200,000 people 14 showed up Dude, the uh, the caption under this particular photo the guy who posted it his instagram is john fucking kane with a k it, uh-huh. only, it only got six likes. I don't think he has a very deep bench, but uh, <laughs> his uh, his his caption is "Trap still sucks after all these years." <laughs> matter of fact, yeah. I mean, I just think it's important to provide context with all the trapped stuff that's going on, and I think that's an important context for when he does start talking shit or threaten to murder somebody on on stage. Um, you know, I'm wondering though how much of this was influenced by Lord Isaac. <laughs> Like, do you think he called Sturgis? <laughs> He's just paying off biker gangs and meth and shit. Like, yo, don't watch those motherfuckers. Don't show up. Go do these drugs. Don't watch them. <laughs> so, anyway, that tra- trapped update comes from our friend Chris. Thank you, Chris, for reminding us that that was a thing that we were doing. Yeah. You know, I just like, you know, I'd like to keep my finger on the pulse and, uh, when I saw uh, new trap news, I was like, Shane's got to hear about this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, Buckcherry and Lit played as well. So did Night Ranger and Drowning Pool and Big Skillet. And also the Drowning Pool singer's dead, so it's not even the real band. <laughs> right, it's weird. Like, why would they do that? Oh, man. Why do you keep going? That's like Static X. Stop. Why is Static X still a band? The guy with the hair is not around. The guy with the hair is not around. <laughs> The, the the guy that was in the Slim Jim commercials is not alive anymore. <laughs> it tanked the hairspray industry. He looks like Earthworm Jim cross a Jamiroquai when Jamiroquai wears the like robo uh, Native American headdress that he wears. Which I don't know. You guys what that might means. not know about that, but I have seen Jamiroquai, and he wore a robotic Native American headdress that lit up and moved. I feel like I don't know what to say to that. It was wild. They didn't even play virtual. He it, I, here's some things I found out. Okay, Jamiroquai is the name of the band, not the guy. Didn't know that. Um, and then I thought that about Smash Mouth at the same time. Like I thought <laughs> Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray were just the frontmen. <laughs> and then when I saw Jamiroquai, uh, I, I walked around the festival by myself for two hours, and they did not play Virtual Insanity. That doesn't make so, any sense. Yeah, hmm. it's absurd. It's an absurd Trish. series of events. Oh, <sighs> oh well. You know, life is tragic. It's it's twenty twenty. Things are sad. Sad. <laughs> Things are sad. All right. Well, that's your trapped update. 
that's our interview with Chris. Anything else yeah. that we need to say? Well, what about Chris? Do you got stuff to follow? You got things to promote? You want to drop some names, promote some shit? Uh, you know, I I kind of don't. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm maybe gonna do a music video for uh, this song, uh, "Cops and Killers," and like it's called. Like the lyrics are like, "Cops and Killers uh, go to hell." So I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, I don't Are know. Are you working like, with Stizza from Leftover Crack? I I wish. <laughs> I wish I could I could come in with all kinds of new breaking uh, leftover crack news. Will you keep your Will you keep your ear to the ground on that for us? Since you're there, I'll keep my ear to the ground. I'm, I'll, I'll go talk to those uh, those train punks down by the laundry. You just gotta give them a dollar. They'll give you. They'll tell you. I'll give them a dollar. I'm like, give me all the stizza news. <laughs> yeah, they use their they use their fleas as like carrier pigeons to communicate within their community. So. <laughs> carrier fleas. That's great. That's a great. That's a great site. Like what? Like, could you imagine that tiny little note? <laughs> stizza smells bad. <laughs> Is that? That's just a flea yelling. Hey. <laughs> it's him screaming at the top of his lungs. Hey. Hey. Oh God, we've lost it. Okay, All right, this is gonna takes a lot of editing. Yes, we're going off the rails. Yes. So let's shout Too out our patrons. Many tomato sauce, <laughs> not enough weapon. <laughs> All right, so shout out to our patrons: Michael Osborne, Sam Parnum, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, and Mario Cipriano. Thank you so much. Hey. Thank you guys. We appreciate your money. Yes, and, your and generosity. We will, we will keep we will keep the carrier fleas away from you. So, with that being said, uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, we're on Instagram at I don't want to hear it podcast. We're on Twitter at IDWHI podcast. We are on Facebook at I don't want to hear it podcast. You can email us at Old Punks vs the World. You can visit our website at WNDPress.com. Uh, or you can email us at wndpress.com. Good news. We are going to be carrying our book over in Orlando at a local bookstore called Park Ave, which is also a local record store. They decided to pick up our book, so I'm going to get some stuff out to them uh, so you can find us locally, and I'll have to find some other record stores to put our books in. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) So hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! And if you go to our website, I don't want to hear podcast.com, click the link, came from the beach. To listen to all our old bands, I also like to point out that our previous episode, I made a playlist on Spotify, even though I don't fucking use it, but I made a playlist of a bunch of the bands we talked about last episode, and I'll do that periodically. I should do it more often. Like, I should do it for every deep dive, but I haven't. But check out last week's episode for a hundred song Midwest, uh, Northern Midwest a bunch of punk rock bands like the Lawrence Arms and Dear Landlord and all that shit. I'll try to, we'll try to do more playlists. I think it would, I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Always check the show notes. There's tons of links to everything we talk about and videos and articles and all that stuff. So it'll keep you busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. And we'll be back next week with another one on one or five. So until then, Annihilate this week. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. What, 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 what is this part? I never make it this far. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the sign off. Oh, the sign off. I don't. I have no idea what this sounds like. What do you guys do here? So I say annihilate this week. 
and I say goodnight Taco Bell Joe wherever you are, but you say something in between. Oh, I love Taco Bell Joe. Who? What was the name of the old lady with that like wore too much makeup and would give us free soda cups? Was it Taco Bell Jill? Yeah, Taco Bell Jill for sure. Big ups, Taco Bell Jill. <laughs> and goodnight Taco Bell Joe wherever you are. Do you think that Taco Bell Joe and Taco Bell Jill ran away together? Taco Bell Joe's still there, man. Well, right. Maybe they eloped, but like he, what if he told her that he was going to elope with her and had her meet him somewhere and then just didn't leave because he, cause he was so in love with his, his place of business? I think he's too nice to do that to anybody. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.